Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. You never know. It's good stuff. So go ahead. I didn't know you were recorded. I I just said uh, we're ambushing you because Tony texts me before every show for the most part and lets me know what guests are coming on. And as soon as I saw you were up next for an interview, I was like, yo, send me the link. I want to hop on. I want to say what's up. Man, listen here, man. It's my fault. But we should be closer. In our How you say that? Uh, you know, because uh, I, I've grown to a point in life where uh relationships i mean is, is there anything more important and uh -huh. so i feel like my, a lot of my my earlier years i was in the rat race at the academy you know football school officer trying to just do be as successful as i can grow and go and i think i missed out on a lot of relationships and and i heard you on the podcast uh, on this one talking about the experience of a black marine officer which which I was one and uh we could have we could have shared I'm in not, that together you know what yeah. i mean and that's Yeah you were the man i was looking up to you man i got there early i made the mistake right i came out i went echo company right so i'm i'm at tbs away from all my mm -hmm. classmates from the naval academy mm -hmm. and i just mm -hmm. remember you going through IOC, right? We would just always like pass each other, mm -hmm. but we never had a chance to really pour into each other. It was always exactly. in passing. Exactly. But I, I looked up to you, man, because, you know, not a lot of brothers Crazy. at TBS would try to go infantry. Definitely not. Definitely not. But look here, man. The reason why, I mean, there's a couple reasons why I went infantry, but, uh, you know, one, because I wanted someone who could uh, understand the people, you know? to be in a position of leadership. And I felt a lot of my peers just weren't able to connect on that level with, with the Marines, you know what I mean? But two, I'm looking to left and right. And I'm like, if this guy, <laughs> if yeah. this guy can do it, I definitely can do it. And so I had to go out there. I worried I would have brought you down, man. You've been like, look at Mike over here drowning. I need to stay away from that. My, my feet caught, let me go, Mike, let me go. <laughs> you, you went through that winter class. That's a different breed of, of officer graduates. Different breed. Yeah. I still got trauma from IOC, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I still drive through Quanta. That was the hardest. That was my one of the worst times of my entire life, if I'm being honest. Going through IOC in the winter, mm. you know, going through a breakup, just life hit. Mm. I was mm. dealing with life at IOC. Mm. Like, you know that moment we all experience from the academy where life gets real? Mm. You start facing them real hardships, and it's like, Man, is this what it's gonna be like? That was me at IOC hating life. Oof, rough, man. Rough. So, but I, I appreciate you saying that, man. I never knew. Uh, but you're right, we did miss out on a lot of opportunities to build, but here we are. So here we are, man. Now's the time. I had to bring bring Iron Mike. You know he uh funds my uh ability to produce these things, right? 
Yeah, so I, I, I uh, heard that. Yeah. I always try and keep them in the loop, like, hey, this is what I got coming up, just because you know what he does and what I'm experimenting with this thing is is kind of uh, it's a small group of people I know that do that. So I always try and say like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And you can either be like, Hey, you're full of it. Or, uh, say, you know, keep on going. So, uh, that was a good intro. We should just leave it like that. Go straight to memory. That's a great intro. All right. Uh, Drexel Drex, um, previously, uh, known for a lot of folks as Rashawn King, um, from North Carolina. Navy football senior cornerback, 2008, class of 09, Marine Corps infantry leader, which we just got to got to hear a little bit about. Uh, now a project manager uh, at Mongolia. Magnolia. Uh, Magnolia. What's it called? You, you, Magnolia, you heard of Magnolia. Uh, yeah, Magnolia. Chip and Joanna, the fixer-upper kind of thing. That's their company. Nice. Um, started your post- Graduation careers, infantry officer. What kind of positions did you hold in the Marine Corps? As you graduated, platoon commander, where'd you go yeah. from there? Yeah, rifle platoon commander, cat platoon commander, which was the best. <laughs> Were you cat? I was cat, baby. Hey. Yeah, I was swole, bro. I looked like the rock. They found out I found out I was getting cat, man. I was, hey. <laughs> yeah, I was hitting that weight. Yo, <laughs> left <laughs> left Camp Lejeune at like two ten, got cat platoon. Came back 2.30. Oh, I couldn't even roll my sleeves. I was so swole. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Because you don't got to walk nowhere. Sidewalk cracked yeah. it. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you got the biggest guns, man. It was the best, man. Capitoon. Then I was at H&S XO, which is where infantry officers go to die. Uh, sucks the life out of you. Terrible. Uh, and then uh, I went back to the academy. Company officer. Well, I was with the football team for a little bit, and then company officer, um, and then uh, like fourth class training officer or something like that. That last one, and then got out, went worked at Baylor, moved to Waco, worked at Baylor, and worked at Magnolia. Nice, cool. Um, father of, and hopefully I don't get this wrong. Father of nine kids. Father Is of nine? nine, man. Yeah, uh -huh. nine. No twins. No cheating. You know, there's an insane yeah. number of kids. Like, uh, you're definitely the first person on here that, that you know, f with a scale of kids like that. Um, probably in the top one percent of America is, is you know, I, I didn't look that up. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, nine kiddos, wife Joe, um, Joanna, Jonna, yeah, Jonna, Jonna. Should have been, uh, I think, your guys's class. Yeah, That's she's, right. in, she's in my company, so shame on me for not remembering like how to pronounce her name, but I definitely remember her. Um, awesome. Um, and y'all's journey and what I what I can see and, and hear from it so far is, is crazy, like um, from a perseverance, like nine kids. That's a lot, man. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. I got a lot of questions around that, but um, yeah huge responsibility and when i get into the memories i'm catching on to some themes that to me tell me that oh yeah like totally easy for this guy right might not be easy for most guys but for for drex uh you know <laughs> totally makes sense and how you're making that work but still have those questions so yeah it's uh, a calling and it's not for everyone so oh. 
yeah, I couldn't do it. I can tell you that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. So uh, <laughs> let's jump into the memories. All right. I got uh, memories yeah. from a few guys. First one, Kevin oh. Edwards, a fellow DB at Nevy. Uh, oh, sophomore, snap. I think, your senior year he was. Um, yeah, he was, yeah, either one year below or two, yeah. Yep. Good memory. Um, a, a big pass breakup you had against Pitt, double overtime, um, to win the game. Overall, a stellar game for you. Uh, you had an INT as well and had a, your 50-yard fumble recovery touchdown, and the Eagle Bank Bowl was a big one for him uh, mm. as well as, you know, for Ross. Mm. Uh Something else that he, you know, values that these guys share. Um, I think there were a lot of good ones in here from Kevin is you were the most level headed person he knew. Never too up, never too down. You always, you know, seem to have a plan, a sureness about yourself. Uh, the model mid for ballers to try and emulate. Um, so... That's yeah, a good that, representation yeah. of what Thanks, others man. say as well. Yeah, so. nice. Clint Sobey, next one. Uh, remembers oh. you as always being fundamentally sound as a player, uh, which he, he thought was work ethic based. Um, one of the smartest dudes on the team, humble, had strong conviction. There's another theme here. Uh, strong conviction on his point of view. He said your life took a turn uh, for the best, you know, early at the academy um, when you turned your life over to Jesus Christ early on, um, upstanding, loyal, and outwardly focused. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate that. <laughs> Last one, probably your closest guy, Ross Pospisil. Um, I know y'all were super close. Uh, he said... He'll never forget how inspiring it was to play alongside you at the Wake Forest Eagle Bank Bowl game. Just like Kevin said, uh, that was the week, I think, right after your dad passed away, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when your world changed forever, you were still dialed in. Uh, Ross knew you were playing to honor your dad's memory, and you definitely did that that day and it wasn't just like the play it was like the after after it was good um had a, an outstanding game that was like how you carried yourself after that um you define authenticity for ross as a man husband and father um he said i'm not sure i've met another man who consistently and passionately lives by his convictions the way that you do no matter the cost Amazing to see the husband and father that you become and that that you inspire him. So those are the memories. That's awesome. Man, is this how you start all the... <laughs> yeah, well, I usually do an intro and then I cut to a few memories because the memories are the best. Like, yeah. And like Mike said in his podcast, it's, it's okay to look back, don't stare. It's always fun to look back, right? And, and remember, but the good thing about this memory section and the look back here is like, you're still upholding some of those values that people remembered about you in almost all the cases. And that's the fun part because I guarantee you, when we keep on talking about your story, like all those same things are going to 
pop up, right? Hopefully, hopefully those good things will pop up. I'm sure. I think it's been, you know, I keep up with some of those guys, but uh, sometimes that distance (laughs) creates that fondness as well. (laughs) Which is understood. Yeah. Um, My memories of you only got two that that I wanted to write down and share. You were always ripped, like lean machine, like walking to the weight room, putting it up out on the field. Are you, is it, are you still have that natural ability right now? Genetics. I can't take any credit. My mom is ripped, you know, and she wanted to work out. She, you know, probably win all those things. And, uh, I've been, I've been in seminary for the last couple of years, five years. And there's points where I stopped working out, you know, which is like (laughs) painful for us, you know? And, uh, and, and I, I got back in the gym a couple of weeks ago, and it's just like back. So it's all genetics. Okay. A um, little bit of hard work behind it, but I got you. <laughs> uh, and then the last one, which is supposed to be a funny one, um, but it was real. Um, I I remember it was a, a, a pit game when you picked off a pass and you ran it for almost a touchdown. Uh, but the guy on the other side of the field behind you when that pick occurred uh, pretty much ran diagonally across the field, hawked you down, and tackled you before you could get to the end zone. That guy's name was LaShawn McCoy. He was <laughs> so fast. Remember that one? He he was walking at first. <laughs> he was walking. Then, then he was like, oh, he might make it. So he started jogging. <laughs> and then I kept going. And then he like finally – Sped up and just like just like that, like I was I was walked out. <laughs> nice. All right, this is where I turn it over to you. Tell us your story, where you came from, what you're doing now. Tell us it all. Let, let me just go one memory of of Mike Stedman here. The first time I feel like I kind of met him, it was summer school, and uh, we were in the hallway, and uh, <laughs> I think he was like on the phone or something, and, was, and he was like, "Hey, you box like." You want to come box me? And and I'm glad I said no, because I wouldn't have known what I was getting myself into, man. But uh, I think I had to go to practice or something. But, man, <laughs> I appreciate that dedication, though. Uh, yeah, man. I got my memory. My memory was you were popular. You were the man, <laughs> right? Like, I had to go to the Marine Corps to be sidewalk cracking. You were sidewalk cracking at the Naval Academy. Everybody knew you. Am I wrong, Tony? You're not wrong. Yeah, you were silent. You know, you were a silent killer, right? Not a lot of chest bumping I saw, but I just remember you being mad popular. Like, everybody knew who you were. There's some stoicism going on. That's interesting. This is the most smiling I've ever seen, literally. (laughs) I never saw you smile or not. You just always look serious, even when I bumped into you in the Marine Corps. Just always serious. Like you said, always focused. Now you're like, got your hair frizzled. You know, the longest I've ever had my hair, man, getting out the court, man. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, I mean, my journey, I think, you know, you mentioned a lot of things. Um, I, I appreciate how you kind of see the smile now because I feel like, uh, it's just, I don't know, recently, maybe I, I don't give myself enough credit, but recently I feel like things are very clear you know and what's most important in life is at the forefront 
And that's what I'm kind of prioritizing, which is which is people, which is friendships, um, you know, and and my kids, my my family, obviously. But uh, I mean, I guess the journey, you know, Naval Academy, which was a grind. We all kind of went through that. Um, and then uh, Marine Corps, another grind, especially in the infantry world. I mean, it's just kind of fast paced. You just you're either deployed or preparing for deployment. And so you still don't get time to kind of look around and see what's happening. And I feel like it wasn't until I got out the core and was working at Baylor University, which is kind of, I didn't know much about Baylor until I got there. And it's supposed to be, you know, like the Protestant Notre Dame, like that's Baylor. And Baylor people love themselves some Baylor, uh, which is, which is, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, just going, being immersed in that civilian world, uh, and then kind of for the first time, like looking around, like, what do I want to do? Who am I? Uh, kind of thing. It's been a journey and then got involved with the church, which may not surprise some went to seminary and through seminary, uh, I feel like it unraveled, uh, a lot of things. And, uh, and, and then I just spent time, I never lost my faith, but I think I spent time reconstructing kind of my faith and who I am for, uh, f you know, for, for sure, for, I knew why, you know, kind of a thing. And so I feel like I'm at a place where, uh, you know, again, yeah, just, just trying to focus on, on what's important in life, what's going to leave a legacy. Uh, and that's, and that's just the people, I mean, me, me, Joe and Keecher, if you remember those guys, you know, we probably for about the last two years, maybe we've been using the, the Marco Polo app and we talk every day. Uh, you know, we just talk back and forth. I mean, I was hitting them up today about, you know, Joe Taylor. He's a big two A guy. I, I, don't I almost that. tried to figure out his contact information, but I couldn't remember yeah. if you were close to him or not. Yeah. So, and so, um, and, you know, we're, we're talking about real life issues, parenting, they got four kids. Teachers got two kids, you know, and I'm asking Joe, like, what's what's common sense gun legislation look like today? You know, with all the just the trauma that we're experiencing as a society. And I mean, I've, probably all of us on here on the cause, we like our guns and we'll go shoot guns right now. But, you know, at the same time, we want our kids to be safe. So what is that? But, and so I just appreciate uh, the whole point of that is relationships. Me and Ross talk every every like two three months or so, and so relationships are key. Nice. On that transition from when you got out of the Marine Corps and you went to Baylor, how'd that go for you? Uh, it was. Uh, I mean, getting out in the Marine Corps for the for those who haven't, it's a it's a transition. Um, it's different. <laughs> so you and the Marine Corps does not prepare you for it. You know, and so you you should start preparing right now. I don't care when you think you're getting out, like you should prepare right now. And, uh, you know, I went from infantry, all male environment, you know, to Baylor HR, which is probably the most nice. opposite, all female, you know, feelings matter. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a shock, you know, uh, and so. Uh, I mean, I you know, it's like Disney. Like, they give you two computer screens when you show up to work and all these things. And, you know, I'm used to being an XO. You just you get in where you fit in. 
and uh it was just it was just wow and then to throw on you know the faith aspect over there and how do people you know do that in this kind of public setting here uh it was wild man uh, and then and then now working at magnolia for celebrities you know uh it's it's just it's different i gotta ask what made you get out the marine corps because you had the commercial right that's what, <laughs> i mean you know ain't too many brothers that are infantry officers you know hooking and jabbing yeah right and so you were it it was like meanwhile i'm fumbling I'm over here, team struggle bus, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your commercials and your yeah. videos and stuff. I was like, man, I gotta get my life together. <laughs> ah, man, look, I, there was a couple of things, uh, and I think one of the things when we were in, the way they were doing EWS had changed, uh, like their career programming or whatever, and so now it was selection. And so they only selected certain ones to go. And I knew uh, after spending time at the Academy, like I'm not doing resident EWS, you know, it just ain't happening. <laughs> and so I'm either going to EWS or whatever the other equivalent was, or I'm getting out. Uh, Cause I'm not gonna try to do that as a company commander where I need to focus my time on the Marines. And so that was a big one. And then, uh, um, the, you know, we had, we had four kids working on five at the time. And so that was a big one as well. And if, if you remember the Marine Corps was growing at that point, uh, cause of the wars, but then it's, it was starting to shrink. And so my, I don't want to sound bitter, here, but my theory is a lot of my company commanders were those who were easily let in just so we could keep the numbers going. And so I think the quality of my company commander and and uh, for some of those some of those guys decreased a little bit uh and then it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth you know and and just what where the direction was headed and the marine corps doesn't need you <laughs> you know what i mean like it'll move on without you was there any pressure to keep you were they like we need you I mean, there's a little bit, you know, especially because, like you said, the black Marine officer is extremely rare. And General Bailey, uh, he was he was a uh, first Mardiv when I was out there. And uh, that's how I got the commercial, like met met him. And, you know, and and when you meet those guys, they, they're trying to, like, bring you in, introduce you to everyone. And, and you know, he had me go meet another general who's in charge of TCOM at the time and you know, trying to do and then so there was some pressure, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, I have no regrets. Uh, I enjoyed my time, uh, but I, I value the time I get with the, with the kids. You know, my first two kids, I was gone for most of their life. I got to see their births, mm -hmm. but I, I feel like I sense a difference between raising them and the connection we have than with the rest of my kids who I've been there the whole time. So, what made great. you want to go into you know infantry you know no one uh, wanted to have a big family and all that so yeah well i don't know if we like uh planned this or anything you know we just didn't ever do anything to stop it and so it, it keeps <laughs> happening but uh and it may be happening right now you know who knows but uh uh infantry i just felt like uh you know it's kind of like navy football you know what i mean like you want to be up there probably navy boxing you just want to be in it with the best 
and you know bumping shoulders with those guys and so i feel like infantry was it and i love it too i like if my kids went in marine corps like, look man you gotta go infantry <laughs> like it's just you know nice um any any uh good lessons learned or stories from your uh deployment deployment well i did one to afghanistan uh, with with Bernstein, I don't know if you remember him, Mike, but I think he was in your IOC class, maybe. Uh, he he was a weapons uh, company, but uh, yeah, we did one in Afghanistan. And then we did the thirty first Mew, and um, I mean, yeah, I think lots of lessons. I think uh, you know, just perseverance, um, and just take care of your Marines. I think is. That's what it's all about. I mean, there's some hard times. We saw we saw some activity out there, blowing up a couple times and stuff. But uh, you know, I think just persevering and take care of your Marines is what it's all about. Gotcha. Cool. Um, balance. We've talked a lot about balance on most of the episodes so far on work life balance and all that kind of stuff. For you, with the job and such a large family. How does balance work for you? Um, I, you know, that's why I kind of say I, I try to laser focus on a couple of things. You know, I, I was convicted a long time ago. And, I'll, you know, what people say, I, I am kind of hard in my convictions. Going to seminary has loosened up some of those theological ones. You find out how much you don't know when you when you go to seminary. But uh uh, I'm convicted that if I do nothing else in life but raise my kids, then I'm successful as a man, human being, father, husband, you know. Uh, and so it's a joint effort, obviously, with John and I. And uh, and so that 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 changes how I approach things. You know, we have nine kids. We're not the family that's going to be gone Monday, soccer, track, softball, you know yeah that was another question just, was like how do you do all those things or yeah we don't, don't we don't do that we don't we, i mean we try to do it we're blessed to have five acres here and we try to do it in our yard and we invite other kids over you know we try to be that family and we try to play games all the time football and all that and all those things and when they get older you know my oldest is 12 if they can drive themselves maybe that'll be a, a thing for them yeah. but uh Right now, we, we kind of prioritize on, on our family, and then we just want to invite people into that, you know, what we're doing together, and hospitality is huge for me. You know, gotcha. we're always trying to open up our home to folks and just sharing that love over food, ideas, and things like that. Sorry, I'm taking notes because I'm trying to learn from you. Uh, <laughs> um so with all those kids you got nine um how do you foster individuality in your children while still maintaining like the unity and, and i'm pretty sure i know where your unity everybody's focused on this one thing uh but at the same time fostering you know the special talents of each one yeah yeah we you know we we pray about this often um and when we meet other large families, we ask the parents all sorts of questions, but we try to ask the kids a lot of questions too. Like, what was it like for you growing up? You know, you're a middle child, 
you? What would you, what do you wish your parents did more of or less of? We try to incorporate those things uh, into our parenting. Um, and so one of the things I think is helpful is, you know, in a large family, a lot of times people rely on the older ones, maybe even a little too much. And so they don't yeah. get a chance to be kids. And so we try to let our kids be kids. Um, you know, unity is huge. Uh, we do lots of family meals together. You know, when one of us wins, we all win. When one of them acting up, like a lot of them are getting punished, push-ups and whatever else. Nice. Uh, like so it. just try to foster, like, you guys take care of each other for sure. And then the individuality, you know, I think you start to see their personality uh, at a very young age, um, probably two, three, you know, and yeah. we, we've come up with a little, a little song that I will not sing for each kid based off of their personality, you know, <laughs> and we just kind of joke around with them, but they all, they all have their own style. Uh, we try to do one-on-one -on -one dates, you know, I'll take a kid. I mean, it, it's like once a, once every two months for them, but it's like every week for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, and then in the mornings, you know, we're going to pick up our discipleship uh, starting back next week, actually. So I take the boys to the gym, the older boys at five, trying to show them a little work ethic, uh, how to push. And then we get back at 730. We'll, we get we work out for like an hour. But when we get back at 730, I'll start doing one on one discipleship with each kid. Uh, because in our family, you know, there's not a lot of secrecy and privacy. And so they, they kind of cherish that one-on-one -on -one time where it's just me and you. And we talk about whatever you want to talk about. And just trying to help them grow. And there's no there's no better investment, I feel like, too. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of time it's going to take for me each day. But what what else could I be putting my time towards? True. You know. That's good. I'm going to work on that. I like the song for each kid. I don't know exactly what that means, but I have a, a pretty good feeling. Um, yeah. So but that's one for me to figure out, I think. Uh, yeah, enjoy that, man. Explore that. <laughs> I just have to say, you all fascinate me. Even people here on the podcast with children. Because I'm out here, I don't have any kids yet. You know, I'm just fighting a good entrepreneur fight. And I can't imagine even what life will look like, you know, with children. Um you know, you got to give up some of your selfish ways, right? Oh, yeah. um, it's no longer about your story per se, you know, taking their story. So I'm just excited to continue to learn this stuff just from listening to this show. Yeah, you'll love fatherhood, man. Uh, you'll be great. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, I feel like it's it's amazing because you got little yous running around. You can see yourself, you know, and it's and it's all cute, especially when they're little. Um, and then, but then you see your flaws, like when they're like the way they talk back or something like that. And it's like, man, is that me? <laughs> you know? It's like, dang it. Yeah, and most <laughs> so of the time it is, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's like, you know, it helps you correct, self-correct and things. Yeah. So it's, it's an but, awesome. That, there's a, a strong energy there when you, when you recognize that and you're like, okay, how can I try and rudder steer this? You can't say like, hey, you need to do this. It's more of a. Did you think about this? Mm -hmm. You know, type of deal. And they have to make the decision ultimately because like you were when you were a kid, it's like somebody tells me to do something. Uh -uh. Right. So mm -hmm. that, that's the trick for sure. Um, good stuff. How do you, 
how do you balance the financial responsibility of taking care of, you know, so many children? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we try to live simply, you know, uh, and so we try to maximize, you know, like the YMCA, we get a family account for like $65. So like, Oh man, thanks. <laughs> you know, we're capitalizing on that. Uh, you know, so we try to look for stuff like that for sure. And, uh, I mean, it's probably going to get worse and worse as these boys, I got six boys and three girls as they get older and start eating more. Um, but we also speaking of entrepreneurship, we're trying to have each kid have their own business. Um, you know, like right now, uh, like my, my oldest one's in there baking bread. He sells bread. The older two cut grass around the neighborhood. So a lot of the things, if they want things, like they're learning finances and how to buy and, you know, little business type etiquettes right now. And so, uh, but, you know, we live simply and we try to, we try to take advantage of, of seasonal passes at places where we can keep going and get our monies out of it. Um, and we try to vacation in the winter, right? You know, a little pro tip. We go, we go to Florida in the first week of November where the prices drop by like, you know, more than half. It's still warm. The water's still warm enough and the weather's still great. And so for us, you know, nobody's there. So we don't deal with all the traffic. So we do things like that to, to just kind of, uh, you know, try to stay in the game. When you, when you set your uh, kids up with businesses, things that they're making, selling, do you try and set up LLCs for those? Or like, what's the approach look like on that? Yeah, we, we're actually exploring this right now. So we do like Jana's, you know, she's big on like branding and the social media. So she has a, like an account King and company or something like that. And we're going to get an LLC for that, like as a, as a whole, and then maybe do some, like the bread has one up under that, maybe a doing business as or something like that. And then the lawn mowing has one up under that. I'm trying to get one of my kids on snow cones and, you know, some, some of the small like farmer's market type stuff. But I think that entrepreneurial spirit uh, is something that I didn't grow up with, you know, kind of like that rich dad, poor dad, if you've ever, if you're familiar with that book. And uh, I think we were missing that in, in, in our community. And so just trying to give them that um, is, is, is hopefully the goal. Awesome. Good stuff. So uh, you really didn't expound upon like what you're doing now um, with Magnolia. Um, Magnolia, what are you doing there? You know, working with celebrities. Tell me, tell us more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do project management now, um, which is, uh, which is cool. Um, I, it kind of fits my personality. You, you, you get in there and, help people, you know, better manage their projects so they can focus on leading their teams. And it's a great way to kind of influence the organization on like a larger scale. So I, I like, I like everything about it. And it's real good when you incorporate change management, which is what I do as well, as far as project management is focused on the technical side of things and change management will focus on the people side of, of change. And so, uh, so that's what I do. And um, I mean, it's great working for them. You know, again, it's different. They're very creative minded. You know, our whole company is, is retail. So they're creating and designing new products for 
for kitchen and, and clothes and things. And I'm kind of still Marine Corps, you know, like regimented. And uh, so it's good to get exposure uh, to that. Um, but I think it's also good to bring some of that structure because we operate a lot like a startup in a lot of ways. And uh, it's good to bring some order to things so they can do their creativity to the to the max they can. Yeah, entrepreneurs, we create chaos. We're just out here running 100 miles an hour. Meanwhile, somebody's got to be like, all right, we got to build systems. We got to get the ops dialed in. Stuff don't just magically. You know, we got to keep people accountable. So it's, you know, and it's no different than the military, right? You got the company commander. You got the XO. Same thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And Chip, Chip is like the entrepreneur spirit times a thousand. I mean, he just, the way he is on TV is how he is in person. Probably even more so in person. Super funny. And he just likes to go, go, go and create and destroy. And so uh, it's cool and it's chaotic. And uh, I try to bring a little order and peace to my little peace. Nice. You work with him every day or like? No, I, I mean, I've met him a couple of times, but I mean, it's we got like 700 people in our organization. So and they're off doing all sorts of things. Shows. And That's a crazy story. The whole uh, chipping. What's her name? the wife's name joanna yeah joanna. yeah they blew up out of nowhere yeah cool yeah if you're ever in waco man look me up been there a few times it's been a while though living up here in kentucky still i don't think i'm ever going to get back to texas for for good we'll see because if i if i had to retire tomorrow i'm probably going to you know, try and carve out a piece of florida so i can get back to the ocean on the beach that's not on california side so anyways all right. Um, anything else in your career that was a good learning that sticks out in your mind that you want to tell people? Because not just because you want to tell them, but like people can learn from a certain experience that you had. Um, I mean, maybe because it's just, you know, I just recently graduated. So it's just kind of fresh in my mind. But, uh, you know, going through seminary, tried to start a church during COVID, that failed. That was traumatic. Um, when you, you know, especially when you're dealing with Christians, uh, and that was also during a time. Hold up. When you said, especially when you're dealing with Christians, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, man. Christians. He means they're like veterans, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want everything free. You know, <laughs> it's like veterans. Same thing. Yeah, yeah man. Christians are, they're tough, man. Because uh, this was during the Ahmaud Arbery time, George Floyd, you know, and uh, and I'm this is a struggling time, I think. Uh, and I, I launched an organization here in Waco called Black Fathers Waco during that time just to come together. Let's do this fatherhood thing. We have a different struggle raising a black child than I think others have to deal with. And when I'm looking to my left and right, you know, thinking my church will be alone. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And they were like, nah, you know, he, George Floyd deserved that. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, don't no person on earth. We couldn't treat prisoners of war the same way the man kneeled on his neck or even Jordan Neely most recently, you know. And I think just the fact that we as Christians don't look at other people as image bearers of God, you know is is just mind-blowing to me and uh it hurt for a long time 
Um, but I don't know if there's a learned lesson in there, but I, I, you know, I, I think maybe that's all led me to this journey where I'm prioritizing, uh, friendship. And I think we're all connected, uh, in the social media world, but I think a lot of us are lonely, uh, in this world. You know, we know so many people, we go out and do other things, but who are we connecting with on a intimate and spiritual level? especially men, you know, uh, like I feel like us types here where you don't want to show too much affection, you know, but I, when we get on the phone with Joe and them, I tell him I love him every, every time, man. And that's just something that I didn't grow up with from other men, even at the Academy. And that's why I say, I wish, you know, I could go back in time. I would have tried to connect with different guys in that way. Um, and so hopefully we don't, Hopefully the lesson is we don't let life pass. We get to our 60s and 80s and realize nobody cared about the projects that I did at Magnolia. Nobody will even remember, you know, uh, but they will remember how you treated them and, you know, how you, how you made them feel. And so I think it's those relationships man. coming together. 100%. I mean, Can I add a comment on that real quick, yeah, Tony? Yeah. Go for it. So for all y'all listening, the Joey Taylors of the world, uh, who else we got? Irv Spencer's, right? When I was a young black midshipman at the Naval Academy, I did not, I still have not met my father to this day. And I actually want to talk to you some about that on here too. Man, y'all were who I looked up to. You know, our parents are sending us away from home. You know, I'm from Texas, right? So to get dropped off in Annapolis, Maryland, you know, my mom will look around and see all y'all and be like, oh, my baby's going to be in good hands, you know? They pull them aside. Like you said, they had those conversations. Um, but it's you're right. And it's nothing major. I just remember Irv Spencer just being someone I could look up to, you know, someone I could talk to about going to Naval Cabinet. You know, my frat brother, rest his, rest in peace, Daryl Hunter, my big brother. He was another one. So you're absolutely right because there's so many, the Reggie Campbells of the world, right? Little comments y'all made to us on the side. Y'all have no idea how impactful that was at that time going through the academy. Or like I said, even seeing you at IOC showed me what was possible. It was like, yo, I can do this one day. Mm -hmm. Praise, man. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. Just the God's given, I feel like every person a sphere of influence. And and you gotta you gotta do you gotta use your gifts and talents to to encourage, to bolster that sphere that he's given. Yeah, words mean things, right? Like you always gotta be mindful of that because that small little thing that you may say that it's kind of like, are you tough enough? May have a big impacting, um, you know, second or third order effect. Uh, knowing the background, knowing your people, understanding, you know, the content is, is so important. And I think that's what's great about what you're doing with this podcast, Tony, because you got so many People, we've passed each other in the hallways, but we don't know everybody's story. You know, we don't know. Like, you know, I found out more about people just listening to this show that I went to school with for four years that I served in the military with after. And that's the crazy part. You know, we're, I probably wouldn't listen if I could go back and tell my younger self, but it's like, I man, get to know everybody's story, you know, and, and celebrate that. And how much, how would, how different would the, we be? Or the world would be if if we you know took time uh, and just 
got to know people and uh, celebrated them, encouraged them, and had those authentic conversations because we're all struggling in different ways. I mean, Joey and Kutcher, I mean, it, it's been, you want to talk about mental health awareness the month? Uh, those guys, because we talk all the time, have been, like, it, it's just, where was this all my life? Because uh, we talk about everything, uh, you know, ev everything. Like, there's no, there's no stone left unturned. And uh, just having someone to bounce ideas off. That's good. And, so, and someone you know who's invested in you for your growth so you, you can receive it. And even when there's tension, you know, like, I don't like the, I don't like what you, I don't like how you're thinking about me right now. It's kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, there's still commitment to us. And so you're still going to, we're going to move past that. We're going to get through it. Right. I, I encounter so many relationships today where, you know, people are just kind of soft and like one thing rubs in the wrong way and they cut you off. You know, it's like, brother, <laughs> like we got, we got too much at stake. I feel like as black men here, too much at stake in the, in the world to just not invest and not work through this, whatever this is, so we can impact our next generation. Not too long ago, I had a podcast with Evan Beard. Uh, so he was a he was the like a graduation assistant GA when we were freshmen, I think, and uh, he talked a lot about that. Like mm. his, I want my inner circle to tell me the stuff that. I might not want to hear. I want people to be brutally honest with me. So it sounds like that's what you got there with Joy Kietrick. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing about leaving the military, because we we have you know the, it puts you in situations where it can foster deep friendships if you take advantage. When you get out, man, trying to find friends, you know, especially as an adult, kids and things. I mean, maybe singles is just as hard, but it's it's staying there like impossible. You know, it's just that that history isn't there. And and uh, and Joe and Keecher say this a lot, too. Like people who went to the academy, you know, you're a different. Uh, you know, when I'm trying to get guys organized for this Black Fathers thing, it's like pulling teeth. man. It's like, come on. Man. Like, did like, did you <laughs> how did you get here? If you I'm talking about basic things, you know, and it's like maybe maybe we're just a little different. man. I mean, we are like you and I haven't talked since 2010, right? Maybe 2011. And we jump on and we pick up right where we left off. Mm -hmm. Nothing but love. Mm -hmm. When Tony hit me up out the blue about a podcast, I don't remember how it happened. We just picked up, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and me and Tony never really hung out like that at the academy. We might have passed each other at naps, but we talk all the time now. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's different. I, I am curious about something, and I, I'm I'm assuming Tony's going to get to this because he's actually really good at taking notes and preparing. I'm blowing up the podcast, y'all, so I apologize. <laughs> but this is something that I'm curious about from you. Um, and one of the other reasons we're kindred spirits. Your dad passed away while you were at the Naval Academy, and I know you were going through it, right? My mom got sick while I was at the Naval Academy. She had that stroke. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember how it made me feel like the world was sucking in around me. And so when I was at IOC, too, I had this chip on my shoulder because I was like, mom's sick. Don't know to my dad. You know what I mean? Like, who can I lean on when mm -hmm. life gets hard? Mm -hmm. And when I think about you at the academy going through that, and then I think about, you know, you being a Marine as well 
and now being a father and a husband, mm-hmm. you know, who have you had to go to to deal with like life, you know? Um, you know, who were you calling on the phone when you got back from Afghanistan to talk about what it's like to go on a war? Because I've always felt like I was robbed of that by not having a father and a sick mother. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, there were so many things I was looking forward to sharing with my father at, upon graduating because he was a military officer uh, in the army and um, it would have just, he, I mean, marriage, because I got married eight days after graduation and just, he, there were so many things I was looking forward to. Uh, and like you said, robbed of that, um, like the day before the Army Navy game. Uh, and so uh, I I honestly, I felt like I tried to find a replacement at first and it just wasn't there. You know, there was, it just wasn't there. And, and eventually I got to the point where I realized like nobody can re- replace your dad. Uh, and I, I feel like I had a great dad, you know, no no bad experiences and stuff. And, uh, and so I wish he could, I wish I could see him be a granddad. Um, it would be awesome. Um, but, uh, so I, I feel like, you know, getting married so soon, I relied on Jana a lot. And I think honestly, I brought a lot of my past trauma into our relationship. That first year was rough, you know? Um, and I, you know, whatever the way I grew up, just this, I brought all that. And I think she took all that and kind of handled it, you know, in a way that kept us together. And, um, and, and now we're, I'm at a place where I, I try to use feeling words, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And so I still struggle, but like, I, I, you know, I'm trying to do that. Uh, and so, you know, just shout out to her for sure. Um, and now we're at a point where I can reciprocate. Like she's, she's going through some things, you know, from her childhood because her her parents divorced. They actually got back together, um, but her parents divorced. I think her senior year in high school, and so uh, you know I'm able to handle her stuff now and help her walk through emotions, which I was I was not in a place to do that. Probably the first seven years of our marriage, we've been married 14 years, and so. Jordan Peterson has this quote about be the strongest man at your father's funeral. And when I heard that, it spoke to me because, you know, my mom was sick. I'm when I go home balling, you know, hugging everybody. No, I got to be strong. I'm the one going back to the Naval Academy. And I saw that in you, too. Like you always just looked strong in that stoicism, even though that you were dealing with that. And I think everything that you're talking about. See, I'm still not there yet. I still got that wall up, you know. Mm. I be mean, hugging people, I dap people up and all that, you know. Mm-hmm, but in mm-hmm. terms of like around women, I still have that kind of strength up, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Um, I mean, and let's talk through it, you know, after after this call, man. Let's let's work through it. But uh yeah, I I feel you on that, on that that wall and just that distance cuz you know, you guys said I was popular. I wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't describe it like that. But you, you know a lot of people, but how many people kind of know you? And, you know, if they ask you how you're doing, you would say, well, me and my wife got in a fight last week, you know, and we're, we haven't been talking for the last two days. Um, that didn't happen. But, you know, <laughs> I, I have that vulnerability with Kendrick and Joe. I, I do tell them. 
uh, yeah. those things. And that, and that, and I think just being able to verbalize it and name it, you know, like you just verbalized it and named it. I think you're on the path to freedom right now and having folks in community who can just help you process, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's huge, man. It's irreplaceable. Yeah. Cause you know, when stuff happens like that, and again, we're talking about, and it's, that's ironic. We're actually talking about this because everybody knows the role black men play in society, you know, especially when it comes to like raising other black men. And then at a certain point, right, we had to step out on our own and we didn't necessarily have the support and the guidance. And we had to just kind of figure stuff out while dealing with the trauma that you talk about. And it can make us uh, pretty hard, you know, oh, to the outside sure. world. For sure. And your kids will expose that, you know, because uh, if if you're whatever, whatever flaws you have, <laughs> kids are going to expose, you know, if if you're ch out here trying to be performance based and you're trying to look good in front of other people. And so you only correct them then or you're prideful, you're angry, like all of that is going to get exposed. Um, and so when when you I think when you're on the journey, you recognize those things and you want to kind of course correct. But if you're just so caught up in the rat race and then in, in your own kind of trauma there, the worst part is you won't see it. And then you end up just generational, you know, kind of cycles of bad habits to just keep going. Nice. I actually had Jordan Peterson written down as the next one. I, I got off uh, uh, a Rogan podcast uh, about three quarters of the way through it. But as I was listening to that, I was like, man, I need, to, I need to integrate that and some questions I have out of that with you. Um, Cause that's exactly what I thought of with kids. A lot of the stuff that he talks about is raising kids the right way, staying true to your convictions. Um, well, I didn't catch all of that, but I, I, I referenced the Jordan Peterson quote about be the strongest man at your father's funeral. And you know how, you know, he internalized that and the struggles and the challenges it had to get past it. Cause you know, life is hard enough as it is. And now you've got this guard up and then like, how do you let it down? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a coincidence been, that I was there's listening. Some, Go ahead. Well, for men and fathers, you know, uh, everything is like performance based. Like you are valued for what you bring, like provide financially, you know, provide in this, you like perform in the bedroom, perform here, perform there. And I, and I think we got to get to a point where we realize as men that we are, we are valued because of who we are, you know, made in the image of God. And, and let's, let's, uh, let's separate performance from our value uh, because we, we cannot be valued any more than who sacrificed for us, you know? And so uh, if, if we can connect on that level, I think that frees us from just, a lot of the things we're pursuing, the addictions we have, whether it's video games, drugs, pornography, you know, we can be free from some of that stuff. Uh, and we can live, I think, truly as men, uh, you know, vulnerable, but also confident. You know? Awesome. All right. I'm going to shake this thing up a little bit and ask you about a coach story. Oh, or, uh, a 
or, or a coach that had a, a big impact on you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, coach buddy green recruited me, you know, uh, and I mean, just times in the locker room with, with that guy. I and mean, we will laugh about that the rest of the rest of our lives. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I had a hard time with the coaches, uh, cause I remember guys like, like GB and, uh, you know, even like Joe Taylor, like when you were, when you were hot, like the coaches loved you, you know, but then when you were not, True. it's like, they, they will walk by in the locker room and not even talk to you. No, I don't even see you. And, and so when I saw like some of my guys who were DBs with me and they, and they kind of, maybe they didn't take it hard, but it hit me hard how, how you could get treated like that. And I just, I had a hard time. with it. I didn't know how to process that. Uh, and so that just left a, uh, I mean, we had great coaches and, and they were great, but, uh, you know, that part I think I saw was hard. And what about Joe speed uh, in that process? Joe speed, uh, <laughs> Joe speed, man, different breed. He probably still has the record at TBS for, for the O course or whatever he did. Uh, but we didn't, we didn't, uh, he switched over to lo- outside linebackers, I think, uh, pretty soon. Uh, and so we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't have much interaction. Uh, okay, I thought, I thought yeah. there was some chemistry there. Um, maybe I was wrong, but had to bring that one up. So. All right. Um, any current obstacles or struggles that you're working through today? Um, n- n- not out of the normal obstacles and struggles that you work through, but like anything special case. Obstacles. I mean, nine kids every day, you know. I know. Outside of that, because I know that's <laughs> definitely taxing for sure. And yeah. I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes and I, I couldn't do it. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for, but I think, you know, again, this idea of uh, there's two things that I'm about right now in life. Uh, if you want to pray for me, it's community and entrepreneurship. And I think those two things are linked, you know, because when we as a as a family can do our entrepreneurship together, I think that's where the discipleship, the community can happen as well. But, uh, you know, so my struggle would be uh, there's this image, I think, of what community should be in Acts uh, in the Gospels, you know. And it's this, you have this radical gospel story that should therefore the same side of that coin as this radical gospel community that should come with that. And I think it was so different that, you know, when people saw that, they saw like, oh, you, you know, Jesus said they will know you by how you love one another, you know. And so your love for one another should be so radical that they know you follow Christ just by how you treat each other. And I don't think, I don't see that uh, today uh, from Christians. Uh, I don't see no difference. And so that's my biggest struggle is trying to be that. And I think trying to find others who are willing to make time in their lives to have that, you know. And and when, when you got kids and it's like, hey, man, let's hang out, you know, and it's like, oh, let me check my schedule. I can see you in three months. Like that ain't, you know, because my kids are involved in all these things. Like, 
that I don't, we can't do radical community like that. You know, it's it's going to require uh, some contact points on a weekly basis. You know, it's going to require hospitality. Like, it's one thing to to get to know me at a coffee shop, but it's another thing. You know, I see you, Tony, with your, with your kid right there. Like, it's another thing to me be in your house, watch how you discipline your kids, how you respond to your wife, and a frustration. You know, that's a whole nother level. Uh, and so, those are the things that I'm after. Uh, right now in life is that radical community that I think other people will look at and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And when I lived on base, that was probably the best community I've ever been a part of because uh, we, you know, strangers, we all kind of got it. Anybody could be deployed. I'll cut your grass or kids would just run over to your house all the time. You know, you got sugar like, oh, I need some, you know, it, that was the best community I've ever been a part of. Uh, just living on base in San Mateo and, uh, you know, trying to trying to kind of replicate something like that. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been harder than than I think it should be. And what about this passion for entrepreneurship? Why now? Why the sense of urgency around it? Man, uh, there's several reasons, <laughs> you know, one, because in 2008, when the smartest people in the world failed us and we had this financial crisis, I'm like, you guys don't know more than, than I do. And so, you know, let me get myself uh, in the game here. Uh, and I think, I think entrepreneurship, uh, you know, uh, I think it's, it's, it, it connects with community because you can provide something to the community. And so you're, you're giving back. Um, but it's also, you know, we have a large family. And so that's a way for us to connect with each other as we work towards this common focus. And then it's a way to pass down your legacy towards, you know, your your family and, and kind of grow there. Um, and so those are those are, I think, some of the main things uh, towards entrepreneurship. Um, you know, I want to I want to work for myself, make my own decisions. You know, those kind of, I think, are the supplemental good reasons as well. But uh, I think really it's, it's the driver is community um, for entrepreneurship. And you think about even having such a large family, there's a lot of history there because large families typically, like you said, they will mobilize around the farm. They will mobilize around the business. It's like, you know, you've got this game of thrones right there <laughs> you know let's house lannister let's go make some coin you know um and like you said let's protect what we have there's that aspect of it too so i can definitely understand and appreciate that well you know as a because i you know i went down this kind of pastoral route and as a pastor you you can influence your people maybe two three hours a week if if that and probably probably not even that but as an employer Right. You can set the culture for your organization and you're influencing not just that 40 hours, but beyond that, based off of how you treat them. And so you could change. I try to tell Christian pastors around here, like preach from your pulpit, pay a minimum wage, whatever that is for your area. And you will change people's lives forever, generationally, if a father can go home and provide for his family because you decided as an owner to pay to pay a good wage. And so there's just a, a lot of opportunity. If you're a mentor or a discipler, 
I feel like entrepreneurship is the way to go because just how much you can change lives. Yeah, you don't see too much of that in the black churches. At least when I was growing up, mm-hmm. you go into church, you get preached to on Sunday, then you that's it. You know, people stand up. They would say, pray for finance, pray for good health. Never showed us how to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never showed us how to make money. Mm-hmm. Just threw us out there to the wolves. Mm-hmm. But there are some pastors that I do appreciate these days that are creating some good content, educational content. Um, you know, creating podcasts and leveraging their platform to educate people. So it's cool hearing you talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, we. Uh, I feel like the church is behind in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of catching up it needs to do. Just education, a lots of things. All right, last question. What's your price of admission? I forgot what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote something. You don't have Go to write art. it. Yeah, yeah, art's the best, right? Yeah. So, like, what is that thing that makes you tick? What is that thing that uh, you climbed that hill and this is what it took? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think what keep, keeps me going, you know, uh, is that cost is that, you know, I, maybe the only word that kind of comes to mind is devotion. Uh, and you, you know, you got to have, I feel like a healthy devotion towards something that will, will steer you and keep you going in the right way. And for me, that's, you know, that's Jesus. Um, but when things are hard, you know, um, you, I, I feel like your commitment, your devotion to him, you know, you get in what you, or you get out what you put in, you know? And so, uh, I think that's the, that's the price. Uh, and you know, he paid that price, you know? Uh, and so, uh, I feel like it's, you know, for me, it's the least I can do is try to, to give you what you've already given. Yeah. Uh, Cam talked about that too in episode number one, technically episode number two. Um, but, um, same story. Um, as you talk through that, I'm looking back at your memories of most level headed person seem to have a plan. Sureness about yourself. Uh, model midshipman to emulate fundamentally sound strong conviction so um, I always like looking back at the memories and look at the at the price of admission so um, it totally ties in and you're definitely on your way to uh, and and when I say on your way uh, on your way to continue to get better uh, because all that struggle that you're currently going through it's like it all ties in because of the price of admission right like the daily i'm doing this for a purpose and i and i've self-reflected and i know i need to get better in these areas and so um maybe i'm full of crap but uh that that's how that was my take on it so it was good appreciate you sharing your story thanks for having me Thanks for uh, joining, Mike, man. Honor. I'm telling you, man, Tony sent me a text. Episode. I said, I said, yo, send me the link. I want to hop on. I wasn't planning on staying the whole episode, but I appreciate Tony letting me do it. Y'all don't understand how much time he puts into preparing for these episodes. Like, he really likes to get his notes right, and so hopefully he was able to get all his questions. 
And I'm trying to press Tony to get us some swag. We need some price of admission swag. Yeah, yeah. We need to be in the weight room. This is yeah. a nonprofit uh, podcast, all right? That's yeah. what this is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, dude. Yeah, you uh, gotta you gotta get some people on here to talk about the new coaching staff, man. I don't even I don't think I know any of those guys now. Man. Yeah. I'm too old school for that. I don't <laughs> well actually I should probably get Bobby Doyle back on here again. I'm sure he knows everything about it. Sure. My frat brother's there coaching now. Oh, okay. Who's Marcus. That? Uh Marcus Brown. Nice. Nice. So yeah, that, I'll hit him up. Y'all get someone to get some young blood on here. Awesome. Yeah, get, if you, get us some if, scoop. Yeah. Uh we'll get there. I'm trying to get Neamon on here. So uh, sorry, Marcus fun. Thomas. I don't know why I said Brown. Marcus Thomas. Marcus Thomas. All right. Well, help us with that. We'll get him on here. Uh, Drex, if you don't do anything else for the rest of the night, tell Jonah we said thank you. I know this is dinner time, and she, uh, you know, is paying some price of admission right now to, <laughs> to allow you to give some time to us. So I uh, appreciate that, man. And awesome talk. Uh, definitely learned some stuff tonight. And uh, have a good night. Praise, man. It's good to see y'all, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome, Thanks, man. Great episode, guys. Appreciate you being here. Take care.